Hey, Star Wars fans. So, a while back you guys were able to enjoy me talking with Yoshi and David straight from their Singapore office at ILM as they were finishing up their visual effects work on The Mandalorian and The Rise of Skywalker. So as of this recording, Sunday, November 10th, we are just days away from The Mandalorian and so close to The Rise of Skywalker. It's going to be such an incredible November. You know, I had a blast talking with Yoshi and David. They are really great guys, and we enjoyed our chat so much that we did it a second time about a month or so ago. Things got real crazy, but I really did want to share this second interview with them here. Uh, We had that uh, interview uh, for our Patreon supporters. So they got this interview uncut and unedited, but here it is for you, for everyone else. And don't forget, also in just a few days, Yoshi will be hanging with us at Alley Cat Comics in Andersonville here in Chicago. So please join us if you can. So we hope you enjoy part two of our fireside chat with senior artists from Industrial Light and Magic, Yoshi Vu and David Espinoza, friends of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Let's check it out. Approaching shield control, transmitting code clearance on ISB channel 4. This is Scarif Substation. Proceed to landing platform for further instructions from Scarif Control. Scarif Control, this is TK226. Come at Scarif Control. This is Scarif Station. Stand by. Yeah, we see heavy fire down below. Is the garrison deployed? We've had insurgents breach the shield. What's your status, TK-226? Control just cleared the gate. Stand by to receive new orders. Scarif Control. We'll coordinate an attack north of the Visage Ridge and send in the walkers. TK-226, this is Commander Milan. Proceed to the North Ridge and engage the rebels there. We've got him on the run, but we need your support. Repeat, we need your support! The person trying to reach is currently unavailable. Please leave a message after the beep. Yoshi! Yoshi! Hey! What's happening? Not much. Are we ever going to get to see what you look like? Uh, let's see here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I'm a 90-year-old well, okay. I'm I'm really guy living in my parents' basement. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. What's up, David? Good morning, or well, good morning for me, hey, and good oh, evening oh, for good you. Good morning, what's up, good man? How you doing, man? Good, good, man. If it's getting too wandery when it comes to Star Wars, just just feel free to just say it, <laughs> dude. It, I, I know what you mean. My friends, um, when I start talking, I can always kind of reference it back to something having to do with Star Wars. We'll be talking about the most inane thing, and I'll just like blurt mm. out a line. They t- they tell me that I have <laughs> Star Wars Tourette's. Oh, uh, we, wow. we, we joke about that at work too, because uh, wow. somebody will say something and be like, "Oh, yeah, you should, uh, you know, change the lighting on this," and one of us would be like, "Do it." <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Yeah. We yeah, have uh, sometimes uh, we do it unconsciously. I'll be, you know, walking down the hall, just kind of humming like, dun, 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 and I do it on, un- you know, <laughs> not thinking. Awesome. Dude, that's that's so yeah, we, cool. It's it's so cool, man. We have a phrase we always say to each other. I don't know why, and I don't even know how it started, but he'll say something random, and I'll, I'll say like, "Day one of one guy." You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we'll start. We'll start going into Hutties or speaking. To someone. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, <laughs> totally. No, definitely. Uh, it was. Uh, I just have to say, I really enjoyed talking to you last time. It was. It was really cool to speak. It's. It's always cool to speak with someone who's like equally as enthusiastic about Star Wars. Totally. Like, it's great. I just love it. Love I agree. It. I agree. I agree. One hundred percent. 
let's start up uh, here, uh, Scuttle Buddies. We are back with uh, Yoshi and David uh, from ILM, and uh, they just want to keep talking Star Wars, so so do I. It's, it's a great, uh, great co- uh, conversation here. But uh, how are you guys tonight? Great, great. Uh, Yosh, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful, sir. Oh, man, I'm doing great. Oh, man, anyone who wants to talk about Star Wars, oh, it's great, man. Uh, dude, always lovely chatting with you, man. It's, it's awesome. Hey, yeah, no problem. You guys have a home here uh, at the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, whenever you guys want to come uh, by and talk nice. Star Wars, that's what we're here for. But uh, So getting back to this, uh, you guys uh, were talking about the uh, what would you change in a Star Wars Um I wouldn't change a damn thing. It's all perfect. Well, nearly perfect, but uh, what are you guys thinking about? What would you change? What would I change? What would I change? Um, in any of the Star Wars movies so far. Well, and, oof, oof, um, and now that we have the world between worlds where you can just reach in and, and, and you know, ch- change or affect... Uh, different time periods. Uh, it's uh, now that you know the Rebels episode has shown us that uh, that can be entirely possible. Yeah, he's um, he's yeah. Terra. He's Terra. Hey, I, I hate to say this, but you know, just for ourselves before we start, I just wanted to say that these are our opinions as individuals, and we're not in any way, shape, or form representing the opinions necessarily of Disney or Lucasfilm or ILM. Exactly. Just, totally. Just a couple of dudes. All the time because I, I have my. The thing is, I'm working on these films. You, you don't know. You don't have the full piece of the puzzle. So often I kind of guess, and everyone's like, "Shut up!" So it's like, "All right, cool." Yeah. It's like what we were talking about in the last episode of the Double Edged Sword. Our yeah, opinion. definitely. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, just three dudes talking about Star Wars, man. No problem. So, it, what um, would you change, David? What would I change? Uh. I would have shown Han shoot first. No, I would have shown more that Obi Wan and Anakin were friends, brothers. I didn't really get that vibe in the prequels. Uh, I mean, you you see like the father older brother father mentorship, but like you don't really get that vibe that they were man thick as thieves. Like they were, they saw some stuff together. Like like unlike the the cartoons. Yeah, you see a little bit about yeah, that in the I, cartoons. Uh, uh, the uh, Samurai Jack animated series, uh, Travanovsky, uh, the, the animated, before the Clone War CG series, there was the animated series. And I liked the way that they showed them individually going, but when they had those missions together, it was cool, man. Like, I, I really liked that. It, it was cool, though, that the, the, the animated series, they showed how he got the scar. Oh, yeah, and yeah, it, the, the micro series. So three, yeah. Um, I, I guess if I were to change, I would have really wanted to show that. Like when Obi-Wan says those lines in A New Hope and he was a good friend. It's like. Oh, yeah. We want well, to see that. I Yeah. And I, I feel that um, I didn't really get that in the prequels. Sure. That's one thing I would have liked. And I mean, I know that's like a loaded answer, but that's I, I would have liked that. I would have liked to see that bridge a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, it would have benefited the uh, growth of the characters. And I obviously from mm-hmm. that line that you quoted in um, in A New Hope, it's funny. I, I have such trouble calling it A New Hope because I grew up and it was called Star Wars before they started numbering the damn things. Which, yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're definitely right about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, we would uh, love to have seen, um, you know, how that relationship transpired and uh you know we we did like you said we did get a little bit in that micro series that you mentioned and a lot more of it during the clone wars um um uh, you know run the animated, of the yeah, animated even, i would say even in the um the the cg uh animated series they they did try to like you know sew that together a little bit but it's nothing that we really saw with a live action Star Wars movie. Right. It would have been I, nice. That, that's, that, that's, that's my, that's what I would have liked. But Yoshi has a, he looks like he has an animal. What, what, oh, no, okay. what would so, you like to have seen? For Last Jedi, I would have replaced Vice Admiral Holdo with Admiral Akbar. Sure. Everything she did, I would have had Admiral Akbar do. Yeah. And I think I've told you this before. I had my idea of how, you know, the whole light speed suicide shot ran I, I would have had admiral akbar do that 
instead of dying, you know, kind of off screen, unceremoniously. And uh, like I have it all played out of my head, and where it would have been like, you know, Admiral Akbar having everybody get on the escape pods and getting away, and then the, the First Order, you know, talking to him and, you know, communicating with him and him saying, you know, you know, I give up. I'm going to bring the ship to you. Yeah. And have them say something like, what is this? Some kind of trick? And before he hits life, he goes, no. It's a oh, man. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Right? I can tell me how many people in the theaters stood up and cheered. Oh, hell yeah. 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 That would have been. Oh, I'm bringing a ship to you. Is this some kind of trick? No. No. It's a trap. Damn. Face reflection in his eyes. Yeah. Wow. That would have been uh that would have been amazing. Um I think Yoshi Yes, I want to hear that. I want to know that. Well, he said it's perfect, but let's all be real here. You know, when yes. I when I first saw that scene it was it was beautifully done. I think, you know, the silence really captured the drama of of that scene. Um it you know, at first it it really didn't bother me. I thought, "Wow, that that's really really cool." Um I think only only later when you started hearing, you know, folks uh, complain about the the mechanics of that did uh, people start thinking about it. But uh, there was um, some of the theaters were actually putting signs up that say like at at, at the one hour, 10 mark, uh, you know, there's going to be silence. Don't panic. It's it's uh, it's intended uh, by the director and the filmmakers. I thought that was such a weird thing to put up. People were actually complaining. Really yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, it, we talked about uh, Admiral Holdo in a previous episode, and uh, you know, we were introduced to that character in the Claudia Gray novel. Uh, I think it was Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and it was a great uh, book. Yeah, I forget the name of that. Uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it was a yeah uh, novel. Yeah, and she was uh, she seemed like such a different character in the book than than in the film. Um, and obviously, it was a character that uh, Leia grew up with uh, in the uh, in her early years, teenage. Uh, uh, I guess the uh, academy, the counselor academy. But um, yeah, it's it's it was interesting how they kind of fleshed her out um, in uh, in the Last Jedi. But um, I think Brad was saying that she was kind of a uh, Laura Lovelace kind of uh, hippie type character. Uh, in the in the uh, in the I, book, I called her, uh, when I saw the movie, I remember with my friends, I referred to her as Jurassic Purple. <laughs> Jurassic Purple, yeah, totally. But um, yeah, so there's that. Um, oh, I was gonna, man, you guys. Uh, first of all, I want to give you guys uh, props for trusting us because <laughs> if if. I, if if we were like opportunistic assholes, we'd be like the headline for the show would be ILM hates uh, the way that Akbar died <laughs> and has a solution. Oh, you know, I, I don't hate it. To be honest, I don't hate it. I just I just wish you know as such a beloved character. Even though if you really look at the the grand scheme of things, he's kind of like another Boba Fett in the sense that you don't see much of him in the original trilogy. Right. But he resonated so much. Like, he, he left such an impact. No, no, I, I think it's true because uh, his character, like, honestly, up until that point, there were no non-human officers that were represented in the Rebels. And they weren't in the Empire as well, so you always thought it was just humans, humans. Right. And then suddenly they're on a command ship with the Mon Calamari. So I thought that was cool. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, it adds another dimension well, uh, to the rebellion. Yeah, yeah. You get to see, like, really, like, you know. But then also, which is what makes me so interested about Thrawn, because he kind of is, in a sense, like a little bit of that, where the Empire was always so xenophobic. Right. Yet there was this ultimate, like, strategist, and he was an alien. And the Empire knew his worth. The Emperor knew his worth. But yet, he kind of stuck him in the shadows, and in the end, after all of it, that's when he came through, and he's like, "I'm taking all you guys out." I, I, I gotta say, I just to get off subject for a split second, uh, you reminded me talking about you know non-human officer and all that. 
uh, Aaron Eisenberg, who I didn't know personally, but one of my one of my good friends, um, uh, one of my friends, Manu Interami, who played Echeb on Star Trek Voyager, was good friends with Aaron Eisenberg, who played Nog on Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine, who was the first Ferengi um, Starfleet uh, officer. Uh, yeah, that's right. He uh, he passed away recently. Right. Yeah, he passed away. Oh, really? Yeah, he passed yeah, away. Yeah, was he was young, wasn't he? Like fifty or something? Sorry. Or fifty? I think he was fifty. Yeah. Oh. Wow. But yeah, he passed away recently. So I just wanted to mention that, you know, in in honor of him. You know, I, I don't, I don't even know what you would call it at this point. You know, it's kind of, you know, like I said, I didn't know him personally, but one of my good friends knew him very well. So it's just something I wanted to bring up. Uh, I, I don't know why, but. You know, it's something that uh, I just wanted to pay some respects to uh, such a beloved character in the, not Star Wars, but Star Trek universe. Anyways, you know, just just, just putting that out there. Let's just get back on topic. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I pre- appreciate it. Uh, it, it. It is a shame, uh, you know, he passed away. And, and I do remember watching Star Trek, the Deep Space Nine. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a cool moment when, uh, you know, they introduced him as uh, being a Starfleet officer. And uh, graduated from you know being a barkeep with his uncle, and uh, yeah. it was really cool, really really cool. Uh, wow, yeah, yeah. You, I, sorry, I'm more of a Star Wars than a Star Trek, but I do remember. Wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. So speaking of uh, your comebacks, uh, what do you think of the news uh, regarding Wedge Antilles being in um, this new film that comes out in December? Do you think that's cool? Uh-huh. If it's true, do you think it's cool? I love Wedge Antilles. I'm just gonna let Yoshi. I, I'm not lying. His helmet's at my desk. Oh, that's not, yeah, cool. If everyone, if anyone ever asked why, I'm like, because the man blew up two Death Stars. Yeah, he was. He was on both. that. Yep. Like that's it. Uh, that's his wow. street cred. That's his street cred. Dude, I'm like, it was enough that he blew up one, had a hand in one. In fact, in the first Death Star battle. It, it was because his fighter was like critically damaged. That's the only reason why he backed away. And in the second one, he led the charge. Yep. Like, mm. Yeah. Wedge. Uh, oof, I would love to see more Wedge. Definitely. Definitely. I think uh, his character is in one of the books. Um, there's a new book out. Uh, can't remember the name. Rise to Resistance or something like that. And I think his character's in that. As well, it's oh. it's a brand new one. I, I'm not sure if it's out yet. Uh, they had some expert excerpts of it, but mm, um, yeah, yeah, really cool. Yeah, yeah we 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 love we love Wedge. Um, you yeah. and oh, so, you and McGregor's uh, on, uncle. On a related note, I was just reading uh, today. Apparently, um, there is a Marvel comic that's coming out soon. That's called a. Rise of the Knights of Ren or something? Oh yeah, but, uh, written by Charles Soule. Uh, he's yeah. uh, he's got yeah. uh, some yeah. good yeah. Star Wars Apparently, books out. Like, saying like, if anyone reads anything going into the Rise of Skywalker, read this book. And you know what? I'm like, yeah, I. They were so uh, enigmatic, and um, I can't say anymore. But I want to know more. So yeah, definitely. I'm willing to read the book. I'm willing to read the book. We're trying to get Charles Soule on the show. We've been tweeting at him Ooh. for a while. And um, nice. th- that would be so cool because uh, we really enjoyed his Darth Vader run. The comic book for oh, uh, Darth gosh. Vader is really yes. cool. Darth Vader run was amazing. Yeah, and that last episode was like <laughs> mind-blowing. Um, we, yep. Uh, yep. I think we did a review about it uh, a while back. But uh, yeah, Charles Soule, we, uh, good good writer. And we're looking forward nice. to the Knights of Ren, and uh, in both the comic book and the film, we can't wait to see more uh, ass kicking by the Knights of Ren. Yeah. If indeed they ass kick. Um. Can't say. Can't say. Can't say. Yeah. Awesome. So, um. What else uh, do you guys want to talk about Star Wars? Let's. Uh... Well, I think that one of the things that, and I know Yoshi mentioned, and this is just this is just like really the geek in me, the nerd in me, really. Um, I was reminiscing to someone the other day, like, uh, and it's interesting because at, at ILM you work with 
a wide range of people, age group wise. And you have people that are younger than you. You have people that are older than you. Sure. You have people that have, they remember like watching the original Star Wars. Heck, they worked on the original Star Wars. Uh, you have people that uh, worked on the prequels. And then you have people like us now that are working on the new trilogy. And it really got me thinking. It's like, I remember growing up in the 90s. And not to date me or anything. That does it already. But I remember if you were, if you grew up in the 70s or the 80s, you had the original trilogy. If you grew up in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. you had the prequels. If you grow, if you're growing up now in this generation, a decade after that, you have this new trilogy. But when you were in the 90s, there was no trilogy. Like, and in fact, this is what this is why I I think what gravitated me towards Star Wars in the first place is that Star Wars wasn't this cultural phenomenon that it is now. It's like they were just these really cool, weird movies. I didn't think they were weird. Everybody else thought they were weird sure. on VHS. And that's all you had to go on. And it was interesting when you look at the the extended universe and everything that came out during the 90s, during this period where there was no trilogy, no movies, people just went creative. This is where you get Grand Animal Thrawn. Right. This is where you get like you know, Dark Empire. This is where you get like Shadows of the Empire, all these really cool video games. It's like they're speculating on all that stuff. Uh, Tales of the Jedi comic books, which I highly recommend. I remember I freaked out when I saw like a double bladed lightsaber and I'm like, wait, that was from Tales of the Jedi from. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. Um, and, and just even that Tales of the Jedi spawning the old Republic, you know, mythos. Yeah. No, uh, I randomly. I was introduced to Star Wars through, of all things, Muppet Babies. <laughs> So Dude. as a kid, I grew up in Muppet Babies, this little cartoon. They would intersplice clips of Star Wars. They always had Vader's tie intercept or uh, tie advance. Yeah, and they, yeah, and it would show like yeah. clips from the cantina that was in the intro. and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and and I, and I remember saying like, "Whoa!" As a kid, like, "What is that?" And my dad going, "Oh, that's from that movie Star Wars." I'm like, "What is this? I must see this." <laughs> and we had to go to the video store and rent the VHS, and bam, hooked. That was it. Yeah, I was. In hook, line, and sinker. Wow. You know, like, there's a laser sword? What? You know, like, yeah. It, it, there was nothing like it. It, right. it was a pirate, swashbuckling, samurai style movie Western, set in yeah. space. Yeah. I mean, you really couldn't, there was nothing like it at the time. And there's Definitely. no way other way to put it. No, and I, and I think what I wanted, yeah, exactly. Um, It's basically, there was like this dry time. For Star Wars fans during the 90s. We call those the dark times. There was no new movies. There's no new anything. And one of the things I was mentioning to Yoshi is that one of my, and I think I brought it up uh, last time, is that one of my favorite stories from that time period, uh, you know, besides like, you know, that everyone always wanted to speculate what was like the sequel of Return of the Jedi and they had all this conflict and they had comic books. But there was one story that stuck out me uh, to me in particular, and it was always Shadows of the Empire. And um, it was just phenomenal. Like, uh, I just remember uh, as a kid, like, seeing the comic book, seeing the book, hearing the soundtrack, playing the video game, and and the toys. And they even had, like, like an Outrider-sized Yeah, Dash Renders vehicle. I was confused at the time because I was like, wait, was there a new Star Wars movie? (laughs) Yeah. I was so confused. And I'm like, did I miss this? And I'm like, oh. And I remember asking my mom and dad, I'm like, mom, dad, what, was there a new Star Wars? And they're looking at me crazy. They're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, but, but, but. Oh, and I, I just, I, I, I didn't get it at the time. But they marketed it as if there was a new Star Wars going, movie. Going yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the history of um, that, that story and how it even came to be, I find it interesting. I, I think it's really awesome. And I, I was just curious about your thoughts about uh, Shadows of the Empire. 
Oh, I, I loved it. I remember uh, getting the book, the comic books. Uh, I, I was floored at the fact that there was a soundtrack for this for this project. And uh, listening to the soundtrack, yeah, listening to the soundtrack after reading the book, I mean, I can totally picture, you know, that, that f- first sequence where Leia is dancing with, uh, what's his name, Prince? I never know. Shizor. You know, it was such a great soundtrack. You pronounce it like the Chinese yeah. she. Okay, so, so I always pictured it in my head, Zizor. I think in the novelization they say Shizor. Yeah, oh, I, okay. I I always thought it was Shizor, uh, like like you said, David. Yeah. But yeah, it was um, it was but- a phenomenal project, uh, very ambitious, and uh, you know, growing growing up in um, for me in in the eighties, and then you know, living through the nineties where there was a drought up until. You know the Thrawn novels and and that particular yeah. project, it was just like oh my god, give me more. And then you know, like like you said, they just kept on coming out with, you know, first you got the book, then you got the toys, then you got the soundtrack, then you got the comics. It's like oh my god, this is so fantastic. I was, uh, yeah, I was uh, very thankful that uh, they were able to to pull this off, and amazed really, like I said, because you know the soundtrack was amazing, and I still listen to it from time to time. Oh, it's amazing. It's great. And it's funny. It, it wasn't until after the fact where I actually, I was like, what was the whole point of this? So apparently, and I was talking to Yoshi about this earlier, um, Shadows of the Empire was a kind of a an experiment by Lucasfilm just to even figure out, do people even like Star Wars anymore? Oh. Because there was this, it was this experiment. So they're like, what happens if we make a new Star Wars movie without the movie but we do the soundtrack, we do the games, we do the comic, we do the book. They do the whole marketing blitz without the movie. And it it proved well, which yeah. also made them get the guts to go like, well, let's do the special editions, which goes back to what we were talking about last time. Um, and as an homage, they even have the Outrider leaving the most Eisley uh, yeah. space dog. Right. So it was an homage with that. And so then they saw how well those did. And then it was like, you know what? It's time. Let's do. Let's time. It's time to make a new Star Wars movie. And I think that was the test bed. And if you boil it down, it all goes back to Shadows of the Empire, which I I think it's not really talked about. Um, I did like the fact that there was an episode of Rebels where they did have the uh, YT twenty one hundred, the the Outrider, Corellian fighter in there, and I was like, that's canon now. That's free. Totally. they also made the Tide Defender cannon again, which is great. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was super cool to kind of see a little bit of a nod. I was secretly hoping in the solo film that Dash Rendar would just appear in the background as like some random gambler or something. Sure. But it never happened. As far as I know, it never happened. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm always amazed when I hear stories about, uh, you know, George Lucas's innovation and getting back to the uh, our concept of uh, George Lucas Appreciation Month in October. You know, even when he started doing the Young Indiana Jones series on television and trying to figure out, you know, him wanting to go back uh, to do more Star Wars movies before uh, Phantom Menace, where, you know, I hear interviews of him saying, you know, the, tech, the the stories that I want to tell, the technology is not there yet. And then he goes off and he does these uh, these TV uh, projects with young Indiana Jones. And, and, you know, we all know that they were pretty much kind of a testing ground for uh, ILM's ability to create these special effects. You know, maybe a little, like he always says, quicker and faster uh, when he directs, uh, you know, actors. But um, I think it's fantastic even from the get-go you know, in 75, 76, when he's trying to figure out, well, how am I going to do these special effects? I don't know. There's no company that, that can do these. There's no entity. So I'll just create it. And again, you know, ILM being as innovative as they are with uh, the stuff that we were, that they're, we discussed, uh, you know, in the previous episode regarding the Mandalorian and all the stuff that is being done. Sure, sure. And uh, I just think it's fantastic th- that uh, he's able to, to kind of bide his time and say, you know what? I can tell these stories, but I have to wait a little while for for the technology to catch up to my my vision. And I, to credit George Lucas, that is a, a fantastic thing, and I, I I love hearing all that stuff. No, it, it's very true. It's very true. Like I mean, 
it's 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 interesting because I I had a, a a mentor of mine at ILM tell me this thing is that like you always have to remember no matter what at the end of the day ILM was the plaything of a billionaire we are his he created this company to pursue his creative ideas and it's it's something that it's like it it, it really is what kind of when you know that it's like it wasn't founded to like you know it, it was it was a thing to like really test we have this idea how can we make that happen and not like put a stuntman on like you know a cable 100 feet in the air or you know expose somebody to fire that's going to burn their face or something sure. like that you know it it really was like how can we tell these amazing stories because you know George Lucas himself he he's a huge movie fan a huge movie fan um, if you walk the halls at, um, even here in Singapore, they have his posters, uh, and in San Francisco, there's these old movie posters, like from Italian Westerns, uh, Japanese samurai films, yeah. and it's all from his private collection. The guy is a, he's a, he's a movie buff. Like, so how was it like meeting him? Uh, <laughs> uh, overwhelming. So... Uh, <laughs> we don't have to get into it. We don't have to get into oh, it. No, I, no, I, I mean, uh, I don't want to break the, the the flow of the conversation right now. But um, you know that you know that I think they show it in like Savior Private Ryan, where it's like the grenade goes off and like you just hear the ringing and everyone's moving around. And oh yeah, totally. Um, I used to work in Santa Monica a lot, and you would see celebrities all the time. Like I think I went yeah. to. And Yoshi can attest to this as well. Yeah. You, you just see celebrities all the time. It's like you go to you go to Ralph's to go buy like a panini for lunch or like a sandwich, and I'm like, oh, there's the drummer Flea uh, from uh, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Cool. Yeah. He eats sandwiches just like me. Great. <laughs> like no big deal. Like, you're just like whatever, right? Right. Or or us having Korean barbecue next to what is it, Dennis, Dennis Rodman? Yeah, that was that was weird. Yeah, but um. George Lucas was the first celebrity that I ever had. I was lucky enough to, to meet, not only me, but just talk with him. And it was that moment where it was like, I felt like somebody threw a flashbang at me and I'm just like, yeah, I can imagine. Oh my God. I owe you so much, man. Like how, how can I ever tell you? Thank you for like every creative spark. Like, you know, there's always, and I don't know, it's, Anyways, you actually totally threw me off there. <laughs> but yeah. I knew it would. Sorry. I just wanted to yeah. throw a wrench in your, your whole conversation there and make this podcast super interesting. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's <laughs> it's always interesting from top to bottom, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, no, yeah, man, but uh, I, I, I can imagine, uh, you know, shaking hands. I have a uh, colleague of mine uh, who works, who's a reporter uh, here at NBC. And uh, he met uh, George Lucas when he was in Chicago. I think they were doing an interview for one of the um, PBS shows here in Chicago. So uh, mm-hmm. he's got uh, he's got his stories uh, as well. But um, you know, I I haven't met him. I've seen him from afar. He comes to Chicago often, and uh, you know, we get yeah, to right. kind he's of see. Chicago, yeah, right? yeah, Melody Hobson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I am so pissed that we did not get the museum. I cannot. Tell we you did in LA though. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. it would have been nice to have that here in Chicago. Of I uh, would have uh, lobbied to get my own parking space. <laughs> nice, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Well, I mean, not to get into too much detail, and you know, we shouldn't say much more on this podcast. But like I said, if you're ever in the area, let me know. Totally. That's all I can say. It's funny you say that because not just with Star Wars toys, but with, you know, me and David are big into, you know, video games and retro video games in particular. Uh, Being here in Singapore, it's really a bubble. Um, We went to the Toys R Us here and there was Star Wars toys everywhere. Like no one cared. Well, the fact that Yoshi just said that there's still Toys R Us is here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, the, the, the figure I really wanted, and the reason David can tell you, this is a whole story behind it. And I don't even know it's a story, but so Cara Dune, who's played by Gina Carano in The Mandalorian, I was a big fan of hers before uh, she was cast in the role. Um, 
I was I, I'm, I'm big into mixed martial arts. I, you know, I, uh, I actually competed in amateur MMA uh, back in the day. I, I still train. You know, I still train for fun, for fitness, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And um, I I always thought she was awesome as a fighter, and I, I think she's you know I think she's gorgeous. And uh, <laughs> is that is that where she comes from? Because I, I haven't seen her in anything else. Uh, she was in Haywire. She was a star in Haywire. She was the she was a champion in mixed martial arts. Uh, she was a champion <laughs> in mixed martial arts in um, Elite XC back in the day. She fought in Strike Force uh, before they were bought out by the UFC. You know, I, I could go into the whole history of it, but she was a mixed martial artist, a professional fighter. Oh, that's and cool. She was, also, she was also crush on American Gladiators. So I've been a fan of hers for a while. Like I said, I, I thought she was absolutely gorgeous and. Uh, David actually was the one that pointed out. He's like, you obviously have a type. What do you mean? He's like, you know, your wife looks just like Gina Carano. <laughs> and I That's never funny. put it together until he said that. Yeah. And uh, No lie. Yeah, she, she kind of does. Episode, uh, but then when it was announced that she was cast in Star Wars, I was like, holy so, crap. Wow. So That's I, cool. Basically, one of the ways that I was able to uh, lure Yoshi over was that I'm like, Dude, you have to see the Mandalorian. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's Star Wars. I love it. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> you need to see the Mandalorian. He's like, oh, so they're casting Gina Carano. I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to see the Mandalorian. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's pretty so, cool. Yeah, as soon as she was announced as a, a major cast member, I was like calling David, like, okay, you know what? I'm ready to come work at Lucasfilm with you. I'm ready to go to Singapore and let's, let's do this. Let's let's do this. And uh, he even said like, oh. You know, you might get a chance to work in episode nine too. I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know, I, and, and 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 he's been trying to get me to come work with him here at Lucasfilm for a while, for several years now. And uh, you know, even being a Star Wars fan, I, I, you know, I have a family, I have a wife at home, and sure. it, it wasn't, it wasn't in the cards, and it didn't play out. You know, I, I had applied many times, and I didn't make the cut. You know, it is what it is, but I didn't push super hard until recently and i'm glad i did to to try to make it in and you know i'm glad for the opportunity i'm glad i'm here and it's still an honor to be here among such such talented artists and i it's almost one of those things where i feel like ilm artists are revered as some of the you know top artists in the world among you know several other studios like studios of course yeah of course yeah you can't you you have to give yeah so i still don't feel like one you know i feel like these are all ILM artists and they're super talented and I just work here. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. I think it goes back to the question that he, that uh, we were talking about earlier. It's like, how does it feel to like see people speculating online about the work that you're doing right now? Yeah. And I, and, and one of the things that I, I have to say about that is that it's, it's weird. It's weird. Like you are now here. And you know it, you see it, and nobody finally sees it until it's in theaters. I'll just put that out there right now. Sure. Until it's in theaters with locked sound and locked editing, nobody knows what's going on. Not even the artists so, that are working on the shots. The, the best thing I can equate it to that people might find more relatable, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, like every job in the world to me is important. Everybody has a role in this universe. Yep. So imagine you work at, let's say you work at Best Buy or Target. And you have a specific layout that you're supposed to set up with a cardboard cutout for the release of a certain Star Wars movie. Um, you do that. You set it up. And to you, it's just a job. Oh, I have to follow this, this pattern. I have to set up the cardboard cutout this way and lay out the DVDs this way. But all of a sudden, fans are coming in and they're taking pictures of this setup. They're like, oh, oh yeah. this is the Best Buy setup. This is a this is how they lay it out. This is the Best Buy exclusive boxed version of Star Wars, the uh, the, the Star Wars Blu-ray. This is the Target special edition. And it, it, it's hard to comprehend because while you're doing it, you're setting it up. You know, with us, it's like, oh, you have to make this asset. You have to model, uh, let's say, oh, you have to make the X-Wing look like this. And, you know, at the time, it doesn't seem that important. But once it's released, people are picking it apart. They're dissecting it. They're analyzing yes. it. Yes. And it's yes. It, it, it's a weird feeling because you're like, oh, well, you were 
and we'll still always be that person as well, breaking it down. So you know that responsibility. Yeah. So like, you know, I can't say what we're working on now, but me and him are in charge of a pretty major environment slash asset in episode nine. And it's such a big part of the universe. It's a big deal. But for us, we go into work and we're just like, oh, um, what are you doing there? I I just want to make sure I'm on the same page. Does this make sense in the Star Wars universe? Let's look through the books. Let's look at the original trilogy. Uh, Okay, so this is kind of here. This is the original map painting. Yeah, it's kind of like it's 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 you know not to say we don't love what we're doing, but it's it's a job. You know, it's work. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, and, and it's like. It's hard to, to, to kind of view it that way because looking back to, at the original trilogy, they're just kit bashing, you know, model kits. Like from, col- they're just college students just like yeah, they, they're, apart they're cutting apart. Kits yeah, and like exactly. And gluing, gluing, stuff. gluing them together. Yet for us, it's like, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a turret or that, that's, an, you know, that's, a, that's an S920, you know, cannon, blah, blah, blah. And it's like. But for them at the time, it was just something they were putting together and trying to figure out. And and I, you know what? As a new parent, I guess I could just say the best thing I could equate it to was me being a, a new parent now, being a father. Looking back to how my parents raised me, I used to think as a kid, my parents knew everything. You know, they're 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 your mom and dad. They know everything. Yeah. But me now being an adult and being a father, it's like. Wow, they were just figuring it out too. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like this thing that's going to take on a life of its own. We're just figuring it out, right? To the next generation, it's a whole new life. It takes on a life of its own, and it's 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 really hard to swallow and comprehend. And I and I I gotta I gotta give credit to so. Not to throw this off topic again. I, I tend to do this a lot. Sorry, <laughs> I tend to derail a lot. But one of my good friends, he was he was a groomsman at my wedding. His name is Keith Beltramini. He's actually the the lead. You know, he's a lead lighting artist for a show called Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, I he, love that a, show. Yeah, I, I worked on that show with him as well. But he's he's one of my you know he's one of my best friends. Super talented guy. Um, he's uh, I think he's now a lead at Blur Studios. He just did the the recent. Um, you know, cinematic trailer for Call of Duty. Guy's super talented. Anyways, it was him that I was talking to when I when I first had my daughter, and I'm like, you know what? It, it's seeing that I have a daughter now. He was the one that quoted me, uh, quoted said that quote to me, saying, "Yeah, our parents were just figuring it out too, right?" And it, it just it made sense to me. Yeah, I'm like yeah, they they were, and that's the closest thing I could equate it to. Definitely, you know, it's like Star Wars with each generation is taking on a new life of its own. And the previous generation, the team, the cast, the crew, the director, the writer, they were just figuring it out. Yeah. And that goes back to what David was saying, how each generation has their own trilogy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the creative process. It's, uh, it's a never ending thing. It, uh, the previous generation, you know, has items that are built on from from the previous generation or the the new projects have items that were built on from the previous generation and i think that's what jj was talking about uh, i've heard him uh talk you know yeah, yeah. with interviews how interesting the role was uh for this film not only to you know finish off a trilogy but finish off uh you know a set of trilogies uh the original trilogy the prequels and everything that came, you know, before. Uh, so it, it is a, a fascinating thing, and and I love the how you equated it to being a, a parent, um, yeah, because it, really it nice. is really yeah, really I nice. I never saw it that way, but yeah, it's true, very true. David, what um, is it? What is? Ask you a question. Yeah, go for it. What is your favorite Star Wars story? Extended universe, new canon, legends, what have you? Yeah, like what what's a story that resonates with you? You know, I I wanna um I yeah I, I wanna be the typical boring answer. Uh, I think uh, for me, The Empire Strikes Back is probably a near perfect uh, movie. Um, I can watch that uh, all day, any day, every day. It's uh, you know in our previous conversations, I told you that uh, I can watch uh, you know especially the original trilogy. I can watch those films and still be able to pick something up new. 
And that uh, yeah. doesn't happen yeah. with with any other movie. You know, it with other films, it's like you know, watch it once or watch it twice, and then just put it away. But Star Wars, especially the original trilogy, for me, it's it's something that I have on the top shelf. Um, nice. And uh, you know, I can pop uh, pop in a New Hope or Empire Strikes Back, and uh, continue to enjoy. Uh, enjoy it as if it were the first time I'm watching it, uh, you know, every single time. I think, you know, what uh, what George did in that story and obviously with uh, the, you know, the writers of, of the script and the, and the storyline, sure. uh, uh, yeah. the performance, the the sheer gravitas of that story. Uh, the the danger that our heroes were in, the consequences that were suffered because of their actions, it is something that uh, that I love. Um, again, not to you know, I I think uh, some some of the newer Star Wars have probably for me a little bit too much comedy, and I love just you know going back to the seriousness of of what the Empire Strikes Back represents for me. On a personal me. level, I'll agree with you on that. I'll, I'll say I, that. I, I do have a question for you. Speaking about the comedy, because we just talked about this today at work, just to show you what geeks we are. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Imagine uh, that. Imagine changes, that. One of the one of the changes in the special editions was when a. Uh, and Empire Strikes Back when the Swamp Monster spits out R2-D2. The original line was, you know, you're lucky you don't taste very good. So they changed that. And I, I don't understand the change personally. You change it to, uh, you're, you're lucky you, what is it, the line? You're lucky you're... Yeah, you, you, you didn't take any... You're in one piece. You're lucky you're in one piece. You're still in one piece. You're still in one piece or something like that. I, I didn't understand that because the original line to me is, you're lucky you don't taste very good, shows Luke's witty side. Well, not only that, it also shows that there's not many, there's not tech on this planet. These creatures aren't like, there's not like robots are coming here where the creatures are like, oh yeah, like they're just like, oh, it's a moving thing. I'm gonna eat it. And then I spit it out because it's an indigestible thing. Yeah, so yeah. how do you feel about that? Like that basically took away the little bit of comedy in that scene. You know, it's interesting because I never noticed it. I never noticed the change uh, to me. I think it was a subtle thing. I'll have to go back and kind of compare. Um, but, um, yeah, and, you know, it's funny because as an older person now looking at some of the elements and lines of, of uh, the original trilogy, um, I can see now that, yeah, there, there's always been, you know, some sort of wit, some sort of comedy in Star Wars. Maybe at seven years old, you didn't catch, uh, you know, the subtleties of the of the humor that was embedded in the, the you know, the scripts. Um, I think, uh, personally, for me, it's a little more in your face now. But um, I th I'll have to go back and kind of, uh, you know, see what you're talking about. I, I never I really noticed that. So is subtlety. that a new thing for you? The subtlety. It's the subtlety. What was that, Yoshi? Oh, sorry, Yoshi. No, I was going to say, so is that another new thing that you found out for you? Oh, yeah, about the line change? Yeah, you, you, I, 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 I never, I ne no, I never noticed that. I never noticed it. Oh, I and I, you know, yeah, like, and I know even... Lines? I know even the original uh, film, because of the audio uh, mixing and, and stuff like that, even even from an audio perspective, has a lot of different mixes, whether you know it was being played in mono or stereo or Dolby or 7-channel surround. It's got uh, different layers and different uh, releases. I don't know how many versions of, of Star Wars, the original film, that I have. Um, you know, from laser discs to to VHS dude, to I'm sorry, I'm smiling you know, right now. Yeah, funny you say I'm that the same way, dude. Yeah, I'm the same way. Oh my god! A gosh, lot of people, a lot of people always talk about why don't they release the original uncut trilogy on Blu-ray? And I think a few people don't realize that it actually was released on Blu-ray uh, at at Costco. Yes, they there have was a, they there have was that, a trilogy have bundle yeah. at Costco. That had the three special edition, you know, original movies on there, but they also, as bonus discs, included the original uncut trilogy. Wow, I did not know that. I, well, I was gonna say the re I own my original like. Well, not okay. I bought my video stores copy, 
because they were going out of business and I bought it and then it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't. I would say it's not the original, original Uncut Trilogy where it still says episode four and New Hope, Yeah, but yeah. it's the oldest version you can get on Blu-ray. Yeah, that's really cool. And I've got, uh, I've got old, all the older, you know, 20th, 20th Century Fox all over the place VHS and I think mm-hmm. the the first VHS movie I ever bought as a kid was The Empire Strikes Back and it set me back uh, a whopping $79 and I'm like holy crap that was like Whoa. that was <laughs> yeah Dude, $80 for VHS man Wow wow Wait, why seventy nine? Why? Uh, well, oh. yeah, I mean, when it came out on video, I mean, to buy movies on VHS was was not no, like, were, yeah, yeah they were expensive, price. yeah. Price, yeah. But seventy nine still seems pretty high. I remember them being in the thirty dollar range, right? Maybe, maybe like a few years after the first release, but yeah, yeah I uh, pretty- I remember paying seventy nine dollars, and my mom was like, "What? Wow." Uh, bravo, sir. Yeah, bravo. It's, it's weird to think about too. VHS being <laughs> such a such a high price. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's also the reason why I was saying like uh, I remember my the video store that I used to rent at from a kid uh, or as a kid uh, they had it just said Star Wars. It was like it's a time of rebellion. There was no episode or anything, and uh, they were going out of business. Unfortunately, it was like during the late nineties and. They were selling all their VHSs for like a dollar, and I bought that original trilogy: uh, Star Wars, New Hope, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi for I think like five bucks. Yeah, and it, I have a VHS copy that does not because uh, that's how I remember it. And then yeah, it was the special editions, and once again going into all that. And but yeah, it, it's there. There was a dry spell during the '90s where there was no. There was no trilogy, and um, this is the only reason why I was asking. Like, because you get characters like Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, heck, you get games like I don't. I don't know how familiar you are with the Star Wars games. Uh, the Dark Forces. Dark Forces yeah. is always a cool one. Swing versus Tie Fighter. Oh my gosh. They're yeah, I've heard. Uh, I've games. heard about that. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're great. I was. Uh, I, I was, was never into I PC games. Oh, you missed out on the best Star Wars games now. Yeah, I heard Tie Jedi. Fighter, uh, some of the other ones. Um, yeah, they were great. Yeah, Rebel Assault, Tie Fighter, X Wing, um, Kalkatar, Dark Forces. Yes, there you oh, go. Oh yeah, there you um, go. And this is one thing I do have to say: it Rogue One told a new story of how we got the Death Star plans, but in the original Dark Forces. The first mission is you stealing the Death Star plans to give it to the Rebels, which I always thought was awesome. Uh, Kyle Katarn's uh, co-pilot and partner was uh, a woman named uh, Jan Ors. And in Rogue One, it was Jin Urso. Oh. So Jan yeah. Urso Ors. I was like, okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for That's that cool. One. Yeah. Yeah. I did appreciate. I did appreciate that. They do take from the books. I mean, let's, let's yeah. be real. Kylo Ren. That's pretty much Jason Solo. Right. More or less. Verbatim. Yeah. Almost verbatim. Almost verbatim. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's there's some really good stories out there. Uh, the Tales of the Jedi. Oh my gosh. Like, don't even get me started about that. Like, I remember. I mean, I also did work on Knights of the Old Republic too, and I remember like, oh, oh, they're gonna pull from them, and like they they kind of did their own thing, but they did do homage with like Exar Kun's Sith Lord armor in the first game and stuff like that. And I, I really dug that. I thought that was really cool. That's but, awesome. Yeah, there was, there was this dry spell during the 90s where there was no new movies. And um, Lucasfilm, the, the, the truce at Bar- Barakura, I think, where they were fighting the, it was like these blue reptilian, well, oh yeah, and they also did an homage with that in Rebels with uh, I think it was the Flurry Carrier. Um, there's so many things that I think that are still relevant and still could work. Um, hyperspace weapons in hyperspace. I forget what comic it was, but the Empire post Palpatine's death in one of the comics, they were developing hyperspace missiles. Oh, interesting! Like, shoot a missile in hyperspace and yeah. end all this. So it's not. 
a new idea in right. episode eight. It's something that they did do in the ex, you know the legends, I right. guess. All that, but no, it's a trap. <laughs> I like Yoshi's <laughs> idea. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It made me feel good when I told uh, Keith about it. He's like, that's my favorite Star Wars moment that never happened. <laughs> that does sound badass. And I do, uh, I can picture an audience just, you know, getting up and just cheering and uh, and screaming like, like uh, so excited. Yeah. That, that would be a really, really, <laughs> really awesome scene. Wow, really good talking with another. Oh, you're oh, so good talking with Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it, and David was just telling me, like, man, that, I love talking to that guy. I love talking. To, I could talk he, forever. He really likes Star Wars. Yeah. Well, yeah, awesome. you'll see. You'll see at the end of the first. Uh, we're releasing the first episode tomorrow. You'll see towards the end where you know, basically, I was in the office and I didn't have my phone charger, and the the battery just died. And, um, you know, like I'll, I'll say it, uh, at the end of that episode, I said, we could have probably kept on talking for another, you know, five hours. Um, oh, but, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, appreciate you guys, uh, you know, logging on and, and, uh, listen and, and talking Star Wars with us. It's, uh, fantastic. So, uh, I know it's late where you guys are. Uh, thank you very much for staying up past your bedtime. I know you guys have a lot of work still yet to do. It and, uh, we are very excited. Uh, we appreciate your, your time and, uh, your camaraderie, uh, with, uh, us here at the Scuttlebutt podcast. But uh, we got to do it again because uh, we should uh, brush up on your uh, Clone Wars uh, subject matter and uh, everything that uh, the Clone Wars has offered Star Wars. New characters, new stories, new Force so, lore. Which Clone Wars are you referring to? <laughs> well, they, had to, they had to no, go and name no, multiple things no, Clone he said, Wars. He said Force lore. It's the animated series. It's the I animated yeah, series, I, yeah. You know what I'm talking about when I make that joke. Yeah. Like, why did you have to go and name three different but, things but, Clone Wars? No, that, that's cool. Yeah, definitely would uh, look forward to it, man. You know, and we're uh, we're very excited because, uh, you know, a lot of people, there's a hashtag out there in, in Dave Filoni we trust. And uh, I think uh, because yeah. of his involvement in The Mandalorian, Mandalorian. I think uh, it's, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, he has uh, given us some great stories that, that was the Clone Wars, and we're going to see uh, some more Clone Wars come, I think, January or February on Disney+. Plus, and we yeah. cannot wait for that. I think Dave Filoni That's is a good, great... Yeah. Uh, ambassador to Star Wars, uh, he he understands Star Wars, and obviously, you know, I, I heard somebody say that uh, he was uh, George Lucas's Padawan, uh, you know, coming up uh, from the ranks, and uh, we are yep. very excited. Yep. Yeah, uh, you're you're not wrong about that. I I agree 100, percent and yeah, uh, I would say be very excited with right. what what you're going to see. It's oof, that Mandalorian, Clone Wars. <laughs> I on, you, all, you all saw the trailer yeah oh oh don't forget that ig88 rap yeah that's right i gotta uh i gotta look for that excellent right on, right on. hey before we hang up um uh i wanted to ask you guys so we are doing a live podcast it's going to be streamed live uh on youtube on november 17th I don't know if you guys are if you guys are not being uh, if you guys are around. Um, I, I will be in the United States already back at that time because my my contract here for episode nine will have ended at that time. Hopefully, if but, everything works out, you know, on schedule. Make sure these extended scenes. Yeah, excellent. Uh, so I'm in the United States, so I'm on board. Depending. Yeah, on I'll, the I'll we'll we'll keep you in mind. Um, you know, it'd be awesome to to. Uh, we're going to have a, an audience at a comic book store here in Chicago. We're going to, we, um, we scheduled the 501st to appear. Let, let, let me ask you, um, I will contact you because there may be a chance I could probably be there in person. That would be phenomenal. 
That'll be phenomenal. I'm uh, working on, you know, all the, uh, what do you call it, uh, promotional material along with the other podcast. And uh, if, if you if you are able to make it, that would be, uh, a, 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 I don't know, a, a feather in, in the cap of the podcast. And I, I, I will th- try. Uh, the, the thing is, so just so you know what's going on, uh, I, I go home uh, probably November 3rd, 2nd, 3rd, somewhere. I fly back to the States and then... You know, I'm going to spend some time with my family and all that. So depending on the schedule, I may be able to make it out for just even if it's just one day. Yeah, we're doing Um, it November 17th. I think it's a Sunday. Um, The event, you know, we're going to set up gear like around one and then start the podcast at three and go for, you know, an hour and a half maybe. And then just hang out. How would that be here for you? Uh, If it's three, it would be like 4 a.m. No, 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 three a.m. here. Oh. It would be too late for you. But anyway, regardless, I will try to be there in person if I can. That would be great. Uh, if anybody wants to bring a Cara Dune figure, you know, go ahead. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, unfortunately, uh, I won't be able to be there. Uh, I'll still be holding it down for the Empire. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. And uh, you know, we. Uh, the there's an actor that uh you know loves the show too dominic pace he he wanted to be here but i think he's, he's... I, I i'm working on one of his films right now yeah, oh like, that's cool right. last night i was working on one of his films awesome yeah yeah he's he's been really great if you talk to him tell him i said hi i'm working on a movie of his i'm doing so on my free time i'm helping out a friend my my friend manu actually the guy that plays Ichab on star trek voyager he was in a movie an independent movie called anonymous killers which dominic pace is also in and i've been working on that on my free time here oh yeah he talked about it on the podcast um he's a good friend of ours now and uh he's going to be uh he was going to you know call in on that day but he's going to be flying at that particular you know on that particular day from uh, new york to los angeles but he's sending us uh, some autographed pictures of his character from mandalorian um that is that is funny if you talk to him oh, let him know that i am working on anonymous killers excellent yeah yeah he talked about uh, that uh, that movie anonymous killers uh on the podcast when we had him on yeah it, it's Literally, um, it's me and one other friend doing all the visual effects for the entire movie. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I'll, 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 uh, I said hi. I'll, yeah. Feel free to give him my contact info. For sure. Know, I, I haven't talked to him personally in person. Like, like you know, it's just small, small industry, small world. Yeah, he's a really great, really great guy. I mean, he's uh, he's also a Star Wars fan. I think he was uh, he was featured on Entertainment Tonight back in the '90s when. Uh, Episode one came out. They fe- they came into his house and and showed uh, his collection. Uh, he's got stuff on his website uh, about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, David here actually was in what, what, what was in the newspaper. Um, yeah, so kind of same same. Uh, I was working at the comic book bookstore at the time, and uh, uh, the Orange County Register, the the newspaper, the local newspaper in, in Anaheim, Disney. Uh, they came to our comic book store and they're like, "We want to interview a Star Wars fan." And my manager pointed to me, and they went to my parents' house, and there's still pictures that I have of them coming into my room, and my little brother, I put him in my Darth Vader costume, like, do it. And, <laughs> he and they took pictures of, like, all my model kits, all the that's stuff, cool. everything. It was, yeah, it was, it was crazy, and that's, that's one of the things I have to remark about. Like, just, it's always nice to talk to someone who also has that passion. Definitely. I'll uh, I'll uh, shoot some pictures of some of my Star Wars collectibles. My wife lets me have a room all to myself. It's my Star Wars man cave, so I'll I'll shoot you some pictures, Yoshi. Yoshi will have to speak on that, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he's smiling right now because his wife does the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I have my own office with all my uh, with all my collectibles in it. You know, with all my uh, not only my Star Wars collectibles, but my Terminator arm and CPU. And That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Back to the Future nerd as well. I oh, have, that's cool. I have a hoverboard, my my uh, my Air Mag Nikes, and you know all that good stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I have my uh, my Marvel stuff as well. You know, the Infinity Gauntlet and Captain America Shield and all that. <laughs> yeah, I, I could go on forever about yeah. all this stuff. You know, yeah. If, if you guys want to well, listen to, there's there's another up, podcast. Like, there's another podcast called the Soundtrack Show. And they do an episode. I think they do three episodes on the music of uh, Back to the Future. But dude, if if uh, mm-hmm. if you got time, 
uh, look up uh, David W. Collins and The Soundtrack Show. I think both of them have uh, a Twitter account, but The Soundtrack Show on YouTube, uh, iTunes is fantastic. They, uh, they break down the music of Star Wars, and the one that really made me cry like a little fucking two, uh, you know, seven-year-old girl was when he broke down The Empire Strikes Back. Dude, get the Kleenex wow. ready. okay. The, the soundtrack yeah, show. Yeah, dude, man. And I, I told my co-host about it, and he went to go listen to it over the weekend. And he, he texted me back. He goes, dude, I'm fucking crying now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I told you. Uh, I told you. I'm not going to lie. The Princess Leia thing, I still, there's that, 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 that little raise that yeah. I know it's based off the, the Venus, but... Uh, Oh man, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. He talks about uh, that. He that talks about uh, he talks about the complete score of uh, Leia's theme and how John Williams, you know, treated it uh, with with well, great yeah. respect. Yeah, I, plans, I gotta say, this this goes back to what you were saying about uh, the episode, right? The last episode. You can go on for another five hours. Yeah, like, we're doing it again right yeah, now. Right. We gotta stop. It's a school night. Yeah, I, I gotta school, I gotta night. get back into a, a, a galaxy far, far away tomorrow. Uh, Excellent. Oh, Can it, you guys do me a favor before you sign off? Do a quick little sign off and just say, you know, hi, I'm Yoshi and David, and uh, you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. All right. Oh, well, go ahead. Uh, hi, I'm Yoshi Vu. Please start Shut up, David. <laughs> All right. I'm Yoshi Vu. This is who? Oh, uh, this is David Espinosa. And you're listening to the Scarif podcast. Podcast. Got to go. Over. Awesome. Thank you guys. Anyway, it is <laughs> podcast. It's great. This is fantastic. Uh, like I said, you guys are welcomed on any time. Uh, keep us updated uh, on uh, what uh, you guys are doing. And yeah, definitely. I'll sure. when we um, and, uh, as we get closer to the favor, date. Ask, yeah. Ask uh, TK421 why he's not at his post. Totally. Yeah. He's, you know, uh, well, if you've seen our <laughs> the sunny beaches on Scarif, you'd know why. <laughs> what do you think about those T-15s? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. right, another we're doing, time it, we're doing, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Open up another can of worms. But uh, thank you guys very much. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, David. Yoshi, thank you very much. Uh, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Maybe ne- next time may I'll... May the Victorians be with you. May the force of us. Awesome. Take care, guys. All right. Thanks, man.